Hey folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life, if times get tougher, even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Arlington, Texas, today with episode 567 is December 9th, 2010. It is a Thursday, and today we have Rob Gray from the American Open Currency Standard with us. Uh, he's hanging on the line waiting for me to bring him on. Rob is a great guy. We've had him on several other times. Today we're going to have him on to talk about honest money and the American Open Currency Standard like always, but we're also going to talk a lot about the new survival podcast, Copper Two Rounds. You know, what they are, how you get them, what they're designed to be used for, the new website that I've built with some consulting with Rob that goes with it uh, called uh, The Real Truth About Money. That's at trtam.com. We're going to talk about all that. Before we do, though, let's go ahead and knock out our housekeeping. Housekeeping item one, as always, let's take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to make sure this show is here for you five days a week, Monday through Friday, about 50 weeks out of the year. I do take a little bit of time off here and there. Sponsor of the day number one, Save Castle Royal. What a great sponsor. Let me tell you about these guys and why I, why I love them as supporters of what we do. When I first started taking sponsors, they were one of the very first people that showed up and said, Jack, we want to sponsor the show. And I had to be honest and say, you know, we have about three or 4,000 listeners. And they said, that's great. We know where you're going. We know what you're doing. We believe in it. You know, we want to sponsor the show. I said, well, here's the rate. I said, no problem. We'll sign up for six months. And they stayed for six months, and then they renewed. And then they renewed, and then they renewed. And that was two years. And then the, the end of this month, they, they, uh, they, they finish up their contract obligation. And I said, do you want to renew? And they said, yes, for another year. Uh, that says something about how much they value your business, but it also says they do support us, and they do believe in what they're doing. Three years in the podcasting industry for a sponsor to stand by your side is unheard of. It is absolutely unheard of. So return your loyalty to our... And most of our sponsors are getting in... If you watched uh, over the years, most of our sponsors are getting into that term at this point. We have a few new ones, but I mean, a lot of our sponsors have been here a year and a half, two years, getting ready to go into the third year. That says they really support what we're doing and they really value your business. So return that. When you have the opportunity to do business, because you're going to buy something anyway, please check our sponsors first. Remember, all of them have their banners on the website, and this is a good time of year to be throwing people a little bit of business. Uh, next up today, silverandgoldshop.com. Another loyal sponsor. Been around a year and a half, almost two years. Mary Beth Maybont um, came on board when, the, when the, her company had a different name. TeaPartySilver.org was the original uh, site that she had, and that was the original name of her company. She changed it to Silver and Gold Shop to, to more accurately portray what she's doing. She's been with us through a name change in our, her company. Now, I'm just pointing out to you today that some of our sponsors are really loyal folks. She has some really awesome silver rounds. Make sure you're making them part of those gifts for the kids this year. I talked earlier uh, this week about how to tell kids why silver has lasting value and how to relate it to them. And I can tell you this, it'll be around long after that piece of plastic with Mattel stamped on it is gone. So make sure you're making silver and gold part of your investments for the future, and make sure you're making them part of the people that you care about and love, especially the young ones. They won't fully get it yet, but they will someday, and that's what really matters. And gold and silver is going to stick around, and it's going to last long enough for them to understand that value. Uh, next up today, make sure you get connected with us. You can do that on our forum. Uh, in fact, that's really to connect to the entire community. You'd be amazed at how many relationships and how much knowledge are waiting for you in our forum. It is one of the best. I'll tell you what. I think it is the best-run forum uh, for survival and preparedness on the Internet today. And there's some people that don't like the way we run it because we actually have rules and we actually follow them and we make everybody be civil to each other uh, and be respectful to each other. And uh, the people that don't like that, we don't want them there. And I think that is that is the way you have a well-ordered and run society. You can either follow the Constitution, uh, which is our terms of service, which we have to follow as well, or you don't. And I think that should make, if you've been kind of holding back, that should make you comfortable coming for, becoming part of the forum, and uh, you know, become part of the community and learn from the community and help bring your knowledge to the community. And those of you that think, well, I don't have any knowledge to contribute, you'd be surprised. 
Sooner or later, you'll come across a thread. People will be just debating something. You'll be like, oh, I've done that before. Here's what you did. And you won't know until you get involved. So do consider getting involved with our forum. Last but not least, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. Do that. You get exclusive content available only to members. And um, I'll just leave it at that because, as I said, we have Rob Gray on the line. I want to bring Rob on now. Rob, thanks for joining us today on the Survival Podcast. Hey, Jack. Thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. Um, as I was saying when, when I was uh, doing the housekeeping, we have Rob on today for a couple reasons. One is kind of just in conjunction with the fact that we have the new uh, survival podcast, AOCS Copper Rounds. So we're going to talk about those a bit. Uh, but I wanted Rob to come on and explain beyond just, hey, here's this copper coin you can buy for a buck and a quarter, some things about what AOCS is and how it was established, what its purpose is, what he's trying to do, what his overall mission is. He has been on before, so kind of do the abbreviated version. But, Rob, can you tell us, you know, how did you how did you you come to be running this thing called the American Open Currency Standard? What is it, and what are you trying to do with it? I was going to say, if you want me to address the, your your list from a moment ago in uh, thirty seconds, it's going to be a little bit tough. But um, starting off, the American Open Currency Standard is what I call a group of complementary private competing currencies. It's an opportunity for everyone that kind of thinks a little bit different to get together and say, well, we all agree that money should be made out of something real. We all agree that money should be controlled by the people and not by governments or banks. And we all agree that if we make it out of something that history has proven us has been somewhat effective, you know, more effective than, than the fiat currency like silver or gold or copper or, or anything like that, anything real, then we might actually have a chance of establishing a way to trade with each other that's based on value or, or, again, something real, something legitimate. And it gives us an opportunity to reestablish those trade lines um, and reconnect with people on a local level. So the open currency standard started a couple years ago as you know a bunch of different minted medallions, and it's evolved very uh, strangely and interestingly and, and excitingly as a whole lot of different things for different people, from community currencies to collectible medallions to tokens that people use to barter at uh, fairs and events. I mean, all across the realm, we're seeing individuals take ownership of the, the concept of the standard and use it in a whole bunch of different ways, and that's what's been really most exciting for me. Cool. And you kind of, you, back in the day, there was this thing called the Liberty Dollar, and you were involved with that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what you're doing now is from what you've learned there, but you've made some changes. I've had some people that were familiar with the Liberty Dollar say, hey, eventually that thing kind of got shut down. And you've done some things to make sure that doesn't happen to AOCS. Can you talk about what, you, what you're doing differently or how you've evolved that or, or however you would phrase it? Yeah, the process starts with taking a close look at the indictment and looking at what the government has charged the Liberty Dollar was doing um, illegally. And the whole thing revolves around similitude and counterfeiting. And the argument, as you know, as incorrect as it may be, and you know, we can argue all day long that it's probably the government that counterfeits money more than anybody <laughs> else could. But the idea is that the Liberty Dollar was creating medallions that looked a whole lot like existing U.S. coinage. And the Lady Liberty, the beautiful uh, head that's on the obverse of the Liberty Dollar piece, is something that has been used. Um, they've changed some wording and moved some things around, but. It could get confused. We'll, we'll put it at that with uh, something that you know the government has issued in the past. Um, the Liberty Dollar called their medallion dollars. They sure. uh, you know they put fifty dollars or twenty dollars or five dollars on a piece, and the government, as incorrectly again as they probably are, does not own the word dollars, but they like to think that they do. Um, and at the same time, the Liberty Dollar really came a little bit short. Or came up a little bit short when it came to building a marketplace of private voluntary exchange where merchants were invited um, to to um, volunteer and accept this limited-use currency. So the three things in a nutshell are that uh, the AOCS medallions are not called dollars. In fact, one of the, the very strict requirements that we have is we don't put dollars on any of our medallions, and we would not ever do that. Uh, it creates a little bit of an annoyance because people say, well, this medallion says 50. 50 what? Well, 50 whatever the heck you want to call them, 50 buckaroos. 50, <laughs> Anything but dollars. 50 barter units, 50 community currencies, 50 mo's, you know, medium of exchange. We've heard all types of different names for it. And the point is that call it whatever you want. It's an ounce of .9995 silver. That's what it is. 
Um, the second thing that we've done is that we've made the medallions unique so that they don't look or resemble anything that the U.S. government may have ever produced. Um, we've got some Dick Cheney Neo coins out there, and I don't think Dick Cheney in his <laughs> lifetime will ever do anything that warrants uh, being featured on a coin um, produced by the U.S. Mint or the uh, or the government in any any one of their divisions. So, and, and um, just Rob, as you talk, you say that for people that may not be familiar with those coins. He's not on there as a, as, a, as kind of a, a place of honor now, is he? It's more of a jab with those coins, right? Yeah, the uh, the Dick Cheney medallion is part of a series called the Neo Coins. Uh, certainly a play on on the Neocon there. Um, the obverse subtitle on the Cheney says "In Greed We Trust," and it's kind of <laughs> winking at you. And that's actually one of the, the medallions that gets us a little bit of negative feedback. People say, "Well, I think greed is good." And I say, well, let's define greed. Is it greed that's earned through hard work, uh, dedication, honesty, morals, ethics, values in a corporate enterprise? Or is it done through cheating and stealing and lying? Um, certainly, you can flip greed either way. But, uh, you know, that's the Dick Cheney neocoin. And, yes, was meant as, as a little bit of a joke. Um, we've got Von Mises on a medallion, Ron Paul on a medallion, um, Lakota Indian um, figures on medallions. So they're designed to be unique. We don't want people, whether uh, it's accidentally or otherwise, confusing AOCS-approved medallions with anything the government has ever produced before. It's not our intention, and we've gone out of our way to make sure that it's it's the case instead the opposite direction where People look at this and they say, well, this isn't something the government has made. What is this? This, Oh, this is a private currency. I understand. And the third thing, again, on that list is that we've gone out of our way as well to build a marketplace of merchants that are willing to accept these medallions voluntarily with full disclosure, knowing not only that these things don't look like government currency, but you can't take them to the bank. You can't deposit them. You can't spend them at Walmart. They're not intended to be used as current money would be used, which is what the government likes to call, you know, the U.S. dollar or the Federal Reserve note, current money. So we go out of our way to establish what are called reciprocal agreements with hundreds of barter networks across the country so that we can barter our silver medallions the same way people barter T-shirts or pizzas or shoes or script in, uh, you know, community currency like Ithaca Hours or even barter credits with uh, a national barter group like an ITEX or an IMS or a barter bank. So we go out there and we build the marketplace. Um, we've got a new website coming together in the near future called AOCSMarketplace.com, which will feature almost a Craigslist-style listing service where people can go on there and they can put up anything they want to trade. But all the trade is done on a voluntary and educated basis so that people know that what they're getting is not government money and it's designed to be used and circulated inside of our private network. And I, I think that the key is sticking to those three things. And as long as we do that, we'll avoid any kind of uh, disruption in service from the U.S. government. We've never had any letters, any phone calls, um, the same way that Disney World uses their own private currency inside of the park at, at Disney World, Disneyland, uh, the same way that airlines use frequent flyer miles as a currency, the same way that AOCS uses silver, gold, and copper as a currency. Um, we don't expect to get any challenges or any uh, any negative feedback from the government. And... You can kind of summarize all three of those in one umbrella. And the point is that we're not here to put the Federal Reserve or the government out of business. And that's another one of those things we, we get some negative feedback about from all of our supporters out there yelling and screaming, and the Fed. Uh, I know that there's a, a growing discontent with the Federal Reserve. I know that it's, it's an, you know, probably a, a criminal organization, you know, uh, that's ruining our country to the core. But the point is that instead of establishing a, a line of work or a strategy to take them down. We're establishing a medium exchange that can be used in parallel. Um, as I said before, complementary to that system. As I said before, voluntarily, that doesn't aim to compete with them, but just aims to do it a little bit better than they do. And uh, and that's kind of the, the tone we set for the AOCS. So we're not here to poke an eye in the stick of the giant. We're here to just be left alone and use a medium exchange that works well for the people that understand our values. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. And there's one thing you said there. You've used this word over and over again, and I want to make sure people understand what it really means because our government uses this word, and there's people in our government, when they use this word, I think they need to be punched in the face, and that word is voluntary. 
Yeah. And, and, and voluntary actually means uh, by your own choice and under your own uh, circumstances that you choose. That's mm -hmm. that's truly voluntary. So what I mean by that is a, a vendor can be in your network and you provide some guidance for an exchange rate, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah. the vendor actually can set the price based on the currency wherever they want. In other words, technically, if I want to sell something for for $50, an exchange ratio with your silver coin would be 50 units or whatever we're going to call them. But I can set that at 25. I can set it at, I can set it wherever I want to, and nobody from AOCS is going to show up at my house and beat me. No. So I can choose which types of currency I take from you, uh, whether I take it for all my services or some. It's truly a voluntary currency, which means it's something that's negotiated between equals instead of at the point of a gun. Because to me, what makes our currency system in the United States completely involuntary is, in the end, that's what we have to pay our taxes in. Right, and and that's what gives the currency any any real value at all. You can pay your tax with this. Congratulations. The, the biggest challenge we have with the voluntary system is that we don't have any authority to enforce it. Um, you know, and, and we've had people that have bought from us and not paid us. We've had uh, merchants that you know have let us down, but we're not ready to go crying to the U.S. government court system to rectify the situation for us. You know, this is a voluntary system, and there are risks involved. You know, we've we've got to expect or at least hope that people are going to act with some sort of level of personal responsibility and and you know some sort of moral code to to allow them to operate but it doesn't always happen in a voluntary system the unfortunate consequence is that we kind of have to deal with the problem ourselves and we've gotten used to that you know mint deadlines and shipping problems i mean the US postal service has lost um 500 ounces of silver mm. in the shipment And there's no recourse because, you know, if we're trying to be left alone, then we've got to actually act like that and follow through. So the point that I think that you're making is that voluntary is really at the core of our whole thing. When a merchant agrees to accept silver, they set the rate for it, not us. Just because an ounce of silver says 50 on it doesn't mean they have to accept it for 50. And the reason for that is we can't enforce it anyway. So instead of trying to set a whole bunch of rules as far as what everybody has to do and how they have to do it, We set a bunch of guidelines, and we say, hey, listen, if you're going to play ball the way that we'd like you to, we're going to go out of our way, and we're going to promote the heck out of you. If you're going to like kind of bend the rules of the system and try to take advantage of it, that's fine. You can We appreciate that you accept silver, but we're not going to promote you, um, and that's how it works in a voluntary system. Very cool, and I think that's that's so important because you allow the market – To, to basically correct itself, to be true capitalism. If somebody's not going to honor the system that everybody else is, then eventually what happens is that that merchant's business goes elsewhere, and we just say we don't need you, um, right. which, I mean, I think a lot of things would fix themselves It's with personal responsibility. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what you do to ensure the standards of your Of your medallions, of your rounds, what do you? I mean, there's certain you can't. I can't just start start making them in my basement. There yeah. is there's an integrity there. How do you ensure that? Well, the integrity starts with the idea that every medallion that comes with our seal of approval actually is stamped with the the letters AOCS approved on it. Um, that's our mark. That's what we go to the merchants and we say when you see a medallion come in and it says AOCS approved on it, you can trust that this thing is in fact going to be the the size, the weight, and the purity that it says it is, and we guarantee that by by promising that if anybody has a question with it and they want us to say it uh, or exchange it, we will. Um, but we do that by keeping a very close eye on the mints here in uh, the U.S., and I know there are lots of mints across the world, um, but we do that by keeping a very close eye on the mints in the U.S. and make sure they understand who we are and what our brand is, um, and allowing people to go through those mints that are authorized. We keep an eye on the supply line from those mints. We know where they're getting their raw materials from. Um, you know, essentially we have trusted sources and, um, you know, we're always going to have to keep an eye on that. And I see the role of the open currency standard as, you know, playing an active role in policing and monitoring fraud, you know, once that marketplace grows. Right now there's not a whole lot of incentive for somebody to try to, um, counterfeit an AOCS-approved currency because of the limited merchant network. But if this thing ever really, you know, takes off and you've got millions of merchants all across the the world accepting these medallions for cars and houses and boats and planes and you know things that are you know real hard goods, and we've got some of that stuff already. But when we see that take off, we will have to play a much more active role 
in monitoring and policing for fraud. Uh, I think the network things. the network can do a good job of it, though. I mean, if we look at a perfect example of this is eBay. If you right. screw a, a buyer over more than once or twice on eBay, I don't care if you're a power seller, and mm-hmm. you get a couple demerits from the wrong people, and it gets posted, and people can track it down and see, don't buy from this guy, right. you're dead on eBay. And that's why eBay, if you buy from eBay, um, at least if you buy from a, a, a proven seller, you get stellar service, you get exactly what's promised, and those guys value that reputation so highly they go out of their way to make sure that you know you feel like they send you an email, did you get what you need, can you give me a review? So I think that we can do a lot of that if we'll all be active. I also think that there's kind of like, let's kind of swing a little here, because uh, I want to start talking about why Why did you, you know, you were doing silver, and now we're doing copper. And what was the what was the reason? A lot of people are doing copper now. We're doing it with you. I know uh, there's gun the, the guys doing the ones with the guns on them, and the Lakota folks have done a copper version of theirs. Those are beautiful, by the way. Why did you decide that we needed to go into copper and add another metal to this this thing? Well, there's a, there's a common phrase in the alternative currency and, and even the gold and silver world called bimetallism, and you've probably heard of that uh, before, and I'm sure most of your listeners have as well. It's it's the idea that if you've got gold medallions and silver medallions, and they actually have physical numbers stamped on them, and their their market rates fluctuate at, at rates that are not necessarily um, proportional to their, their face values, uh, you've got an issue, and that issue is called bimetallism. We've got a whole other issue now with trimetallism. <laughs> so to give you an example, um, I don't even um, know what gold is at today, but I know silver has been hovering around $30 an ounce for the last few days. Um a one ounce round in our network carries a value of 50 trade units or 50 credits or whatever you want to call it. And I'm pulling up uh, kitco.com here as we speak so I can actually see the price. At uh, $30 an ounce for silver, that's about a 60% value to currency ratio. Uh, with gold, I'm looking at 1383. Um, that's about, uh, what is that, 65 to 70%. Uh, intrinsic to currency value. Copper is all the way on the other end of the scale, where an ounce of, of copper, you know, 0.999 fine copper, bought, of course, in bulk, uh, is only about 23, 24, 25 cents an ounce, whereas the actual medallion itself has two stamped on the, the round. So we've taken a lot of heat about that, um, and I don't know how much you actually want to get into the face value and the, you know, the... Uh, the rule of Gresham's law and the bimetal and trimetal. I think your question is more about well, why copper? Um, so I, I'll skip that unless you want to come back to it. But we we produce the copper medallion simply because we have to have some sort of way of making change. And with the one ounce medallions, we said, okay, well that's great, but you know people aren't going to be trading one ounce medallions for packs of gum and and soda pops and ice cream cones. So we'll come out with a half ounce and a fifth ounce and a tenth ounce eventually. The problem we have right now with the tenth ounce is it's actually more expensive to mint the medallion almost than the currency value has. So a tenth ounce in our in our network is valued at five, and that's right about our minting cost for that medallion. And then you got uh, Gresham's Law that says, well, if it costs just as much to mint it as it does to spend it, then there's really no motivation to spending it. I might as well just save it. So Correct. Unfortunately, we knew that sooner or later we were going to have to have something to make smaller change than than a half ounce of silver, and so we came out with copper. Yes, there is a very big gap between the intrinsic value of the metal and the actual currency value. That gap becomes less important as people realize the value of the marketplace. Now, I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit. And, no, you're fine. You're, you're dead on. Me my tracks if you like. But then you've got a whole other problem that pops up, whereas the... Um, merchants that are accepting the currency in the marketplace are much more likely to accept gold than they are silver because of the higher intrinsic value of the gold currency, and they're much more likely to accept silver than copper, again, because of the intrinsic value of the currency. That's kind of defeating the point of why it's a currency in the first place. I don't know of a whole bunch of merchants out there in the United States that really prefer quarters, dimes, nickels, and pennies over $100 bills, because the intrinsic value of the metal of the quarters, dimes, nickels, and pennies is so much greater than that one little piece of green paper that they got, if that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense, because, folks, right now, the most valuable thing you can get uh, from the United States Treasury 
is a penny from 1981 or back because it's pure copper and it's worth about 2.4 cents. Right. So the most intrinsically valuable piece of currency we have in our marketplace today in the U.S. marketplace is a penny. And it's the last right. thing anybody wants. You know, yeah, I mean, so imagine, people imagine throw them a, away. <laughs> imagine a merchant saying, well, listen, I'll accept U.S. dollars here, but I'm only going to accept it if you pay me in pre-1981 pennies. It just it doesn't happen because people understand that a penny is a penny because I can go and spend it somewhere else. Now, the way that we address it in our marketplace is we tell the merchants that it's your right to demand payment in AOCS in whatever format you want. So the way that the market levels itself out is that merchants sitting around requiring and only accepting AOCS payment in gold, unfortunately, they're going to sit around and wait a whole you know long time for the first customer to come in because not a whole lot of people want to spend the gold. Um, Silver is kind of the compromise. On the other end, if somebody's sitting around and saying, well, I'm not going to sell my, my used car for 2,000 ounces of copper, you know, aka face value AOCS 4,000 bucks, because that's a whole lot of copper. It's kind of inconvenient and heavy. And intrinsically, if the marketplace falls apart tomorrow, it's only worth, you know, one tenth of that, so to speak. So the marketplace evens itself out. Most merchants say, that you need to pay in the smallest number of units possible. So if you're buying something for 289 bucks, you would pay with five ounces of silver, which would be 250, uh, a half ounce of silver, which would be 275 total, and then uh, you know a couple ounces of copper to, to even out the rest of the transaction. So it's mostly used as change. The problem we had is that as soon as we minted the first round and took it out to a trade show. People would walk up to the table, they'd grab an ounce of silver. Silver might have been, you know, 18 or 19 bucks at the time. They'd say, how much for this John Galt? We'd say, well, we charge 35. 35! That's ridiculous! Do you know that silver is only 17.47 an ounce? That's double! <laughs> We'd say, yeah, yeah, but, you know, there are other costs that go into it, and we had to pay to be at this trade show. Ah, you're charging way too much. And then they'd look down at the table again, they'd see a bag full of Denconia copper medallions. How much for this? Uh, two bucks. I'll take five. <laughs> yeah, I understand though, because it's an instant reaction. You feel like you're getting more. Well, and, and foolishly, you know, the arrogant jerk that I am, I'll say, well, hold on, sir. You haven't uh, established the intrinsic value of the copper. I mean, geez. Talk them out of it. <laughs> yeah, come on. This isn't making any sense. And yeah. what will end up happening most of the time is they'll buy, you know, a John Galt and a handful of copper medallions. But the point is that. People feel like they're getting more for their money when they buy, you know, a pocket full of copper for ten bucks as opposed to, you know, one silver medallion encased in a plastic airtight. Uh, so there's a, you know, mental component that goes into it. People like them because they're little collectibles and they're easier to give away. Um, strangely enough, we actually just had a customer that bought 500 ounces of silver business cards so that he could give away, you know, silver business cards to people that he met that he valued. Wow, uh, copper is a little bit <laughs> more cost effective. Yeah, uh, for business cards, but to each his or her own. Um, but anyway, the point is that we realized that it was very popular. It works great as change, and it sells like hotcakes. The question of intrinsic value doesn't come up as often as copper because people feel like they're getting more for their money, and maybe in fact they are in terms of number of units. But when we looked at it, we said, "Man, not only is this thing." Profitable. I mean, we, we make more money by selling units. We charge an AOCS fee of a dollar for every ounce of silver. So as the price of silver rises and people are now able to buy, you know, half as much or a third of as much silver with the same budget as they were before, our profit goes way direct down. Sure. So when we have a minting fee that's based on the number of ounces of copper, we're now actually able to be even more profitable than we were before. So copper is very profitable for us. It sells. It's always the first thing to sell out at any events we go to, and it's great for making change. When you add those three things together, you've got a great product. And I'm a greedy capitalist, you know, just as bad as the next guy. And you know, if I found something the marketplace likes and values, then I'm going to create it, and I'm going to create it in uh, as much quantity as the market will bear. There's, uh, there's some interesting things there, Rob. First of all, I would point out that the value of anything is based on what somebody will pay for it. So sure. if people are buying them every day for a buck to a buck and a quarter, depending on quantity, to use in the marketplace, that already establishes that that value exists because people are spending Federal Reserve notes, for lack mm -hmm. of a better term, to buy it. But the other thing is if you go to eBay right now, 
and you search for copper medallions, you will find AOCS being sold on the secondary market and tons of others, and they're being sold between $1 to $2.50 a piece, right. and people are buying them every day. And that means that if you do want to exchange these things for cash, I'm not guaranteeing you can exchange a thousand of them tomorrow, but there is a means to do that. Sure. And right now they're selling better than silver. I think, I think you're noticing that. Um, the other thing I don't think people get is we actually sell these. You do now, now as a partner, we are as well for less than a premium per coin than we sell silver for. And what I mean by that is if you look at the spot price of silver, And you look at what a silver medallion is selling for, and not just AOCS, anybody doing that, you're going to see around $4 to $8, somewhere in that range mm -hmm. of, of value uh, or cost over the, just the spot price of an ounce of silver per yeah. coin, right? Right. You look right. at copper, we're looking at a quarter. We sell them at the high price for a buck and a quarter. You're looking at a dollar per coin, and it costs us as much To, to build a die and stamp a copper coin as it does to build a die and stamp a silver coin. The only difference in the cost for us, or for you, or both of us, you want to put it that way, is the slug that goes in there to be stamped. Right. That's exactly it. And and that comes back to a whole other point about why the AOCS exists in the first place. We we Our last order, just so you know, we bought 150,000 ounces of copper. Shoot. We get a price that nobody else can touch because nobody else is buying that much copper. So, for example, we've been contacted by the folks that are producing the uh, Atlas Shrug movie, and they want to make their own medallion. Well, they might place an initial order of 20,000 medallions. They're not going to come anywhere close to the price that I'm going to quote them with the AOCS markup on it based on the fact that they're just not ordering as much quantity as I am with my 150,000-ounce order for the AOCS medallions. So, you know, that's that's kind of what we do, and then we hand that off to you, and then you're able to hand that off to everyone else. Um, you're obviously a whole lot more patient than I am when it comes to addressing this question of <laughs> why does it cost so much? I just, you know, I either ignore it these days or tell people to try to do better. Yeah, I, I understand. I'm trying to make sure people understand because I, here's the thing. When, when I saw what you were doing with copper, when I first saw the uh, the first ones you did, I can't remember what the with the pick on them, what that's called. Um, yeah, the pickaxe, the Danconia. That's the Danconia, the, uh, right? Uh -huh. When I when I saw those, I didn't get it quite at first. And then when you started bringing out the other medallions, I looked at that and went, "Oh my God, what an evangelical tool!" Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing, folks. To make this, the first thing we need to understand about money is that money is nothing but an agreement between everybody in a given economy. Right. The, the, the copper coin, the silver coin, the bead on, you know, from the ancient tribe or the seashell or the rock with a hole in it is not the money. The agreement is the money. And mm -hmm. the reason the agreement exists is because I can take the, the, the component that we've agreed upon and go somewhere else and exchange it for something that I need. So in the ancient days, I'm walking along, I've got a big sack of dried meat, you've got a big sack of dried grain, and I want some grain, and you want some meat, well, we trade them. Well, what if I meet you, and you've got grain, I've got meat, you want meat, and I don't want grain? We had to have something that we could, that I would know, well, when I do find what I want, I can get kind of this amount of value out of it, so that's where money came from. Mm -hmm. So if we grow your marketplace to where I can, like, when you moved, it killed me, because I can't buy my uh, grass-fed beef from you anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, what, if I could buy grass-fed beef with my AOCS currency, I'll take as much of it as I can get because I'm a carnivore and I eat meat about five times a week. Right. So, so it, at that point, I mean, I'll take as much uh, AOCS currency. I don't even care what form it's in as long as I can go buy something with it. Right. So what we need to do to make this work as an alternative is create as much you know, opportunity for us to exchange for things we're going to buy anyway. And the more places we can do that, the less need we ever need to go outside of the, the system because it doesn't matter what the exchange ratio is mm -hmm. and, and until you need to leave the economy. So right. in other words, our dollar goes up and down and up and down every day, and we might see it in the big picture with oil prices because we get that from an importation. But basically, other than the, the steady inflation that we see, you don't really notice that the dollar is you know, one point higher or one point lower today. And unless you go to England or Europe or Mexico or Canada, you won't notice. Right. So if we can keep people doing business in the network as much as possible, it, it could be a bottle cap, honestly, as long as we all agree that that's what it's worth. And I think copper, like the perfect place for this, is farmers markets and things like that. I mean, what do you yep. think about that? I mean, I want to see people see <laughs> farmers markets, Rob. I want to see you know a guy that owns a farmers market that charges for the tables buy a thousand ounces of copper. 
and distribute it to all his people and say, here, take this as currency. Here's how it works. Right. No, and that's really, I mean, it's it, it's going to start all the way at the bottom, you know, the swap meets, the farmer's markets, and it's going to very slowly uh, creep its way up from there uh, over time. And what's happening, though, at those, those places are people are getting used to it. So uh, they're just building the confidence and the idea of actually trading a little shiny object um, for, you know, a piece of beef or a cupcake or an ice cream cone or whatever it is. I'll take it one step further and tell you about a little, little secret here that we've been working on. We finally secured the domain name. We had to buy it for a stack of money and dollars, unfortunately. <laughs> so it's far enough along now that I'll tell you about it and share it with your listeners. But we're working on a project right now called Coin of the Realm. And, uh, you know, that's kind of to take it outside of the real world a little bit and create a series of medallions that are based loosely on the Tudors dynasty and Henry VIII and all that stuff. And uh, go to Renaissance fairs, and instead of having them sell tickets to people when they walk in the the event gates to go and spend with the vendors inside, they're going to trade them dollars for the coin of the realm, which happens to be a series of customized copper medallions that, uh, you know, as they hear ye, hear ye, I hereby tradeth my one ounce Henry VIII for your uh, delicious beverage. Um, you know, as everyone gets in character and has a great time, they can actually trade, you know, the coin of the realm inside of these events. And, and again, it's, it's a fun thing. It helps put currency into circulation. It does a lot of things for the event managers and, and promoters, uh, with increasing their, fr- or decreasing their fraud rate and increasing their takeaway rate. But what it really does is it just gets people at those types of events used to trading medallions for products or services. I mean, that's the most basic reason that I can think of for doing that. Uh, it just says, hey, what a clever old idea. This is this is actually how they did it back four or five hundred years ago. This is like how money worked back then. So, you know, then when they hear about somebody trading with their local pizza shop or their kid's daycare with, you know, an ounce of AOCS silver or something like that, the idea is not as foreign anymore because they did it last week at the Renaissance Fair or at the State Fair or at the other event that we're prospecting with Coin of the Realm. So it's just a little bit to to help you know people familiarize themselves with how commerce worked a very long time ago inside, like you said, a closed you know closed system where everything makes sense. Let's keep it simple. Let's warm people up and uh, hope that they take the initiative and continue with it once they leave those types of places. You know, and I think that. Um Again, with with uh, just trying to spread messages and be evangelical, I think the copper is a huge opportunity for that because it is affordable. You can go buy fifty of them from us for fifty bucks, and right. that, that's a buck a piece. And you can give away one or two of those to everybody you know and spread the message. Um, and what we've done with that, folks, is we put together a website called The Real Truth About Money. Uh, it's at trtam.com, and it's kind of in its infancy right now. We have a book that we're putting together that's going to go on there. And uh, when I say we, I mean the survival podcast team. Rob's helping us out with some consulting on it, but but basically it's our project, and it's my way of giving back to Rob a little bit here with helping to spread the message about AOC's currency because he did so much to get this ball rolling for us. But my belief is that most Americans are ignorant about money and monetary policy. And I don't mean like ignorant like an insult. I mean they just don't know. And I say that because I realized as I examined the AOCS currency myself and thought about everything that I thought, well, I would do this different, I would do that different. Instead of just saying Rob was wrong, I said, well, if I'm going to do it different, what would I do? And as I started to deconstruct it and try to put it back together, I kept coming back to what he did. And after I did that process four or five times, I realized now I actually understood what money was. I thought I understood what money was, and I probably could have got away with pretending to be a lecturer in a few economics classes because uh, I knew big words and I knew how to explain things according to the dictionary. But the psychology of money became apparent to me as I did this reconstruction and deconstruction process. So this book that's going to be on this website basically takes you through constructing your own currency in a thought experiment and ripping it down and putting it back together. And I think if we can get people doing that, then we get people educated to what money really is so that when you put a competing currency in front of them, like AOCS or any competing currency, they understand it, and then they can take it and actually make it work. Right. That's the whole thing. And and that's, you know, all we've done is we've put a set of tools out there that people can can use or not use. They can model them and learn from them and do it themselves, or they can jump on board with the standard and, and save some money as they go through the process. But 
like you said, the core of it is just being able to tear it down and, and put it back together and realize what money actually is. If you come to the conclusion that the AOCS did it right, then great. If if you come to the conclusion that you can do it a little bit better with uh, tally sticks or oil or bread or uh, water or some other form that you'll use as a medium of exchange, then so be it. Um, we'd love to trade with you. But uh, people need to understand what money really is. It's a medium of exchange. It's a unit of account. It's a store of value. It serves so many different purposes, but really as a currency, Inside of a, a little barter system, it uh, it doesn't really have to be anything too complicated for it to be functional. You can see that with Ithaca Hours or with uh, Berkshire's programs or other community currencies that you know have used the U.S. dollar as a model, uh, the Federal Reserve note as a model for how to create a currency. I mean, as as flawed as that is, it's something that inside of those communities serves a purpose and. Uh, People need to know the real truth, and trtam.com is is certainly one of the best places on the internet to start. Well, cool. I, I also think that, like, you know, we're talking about copper here, that it it serves a niche that I just don't think silver's capable of serving at the farmers market swap meet level because people are going to hold on to the silver, and like you said, the small fractional amounts cost so much money to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's face it, it's hard to sell a bundle of Swiss chard or a bundle of carrots or, you know, a, a small tiny container of honey, you know, a few ounces of honey for, you know, a big honking silver medallion. People don't want to part with that. But if I can go to uh, your stand and I can spend my, my AOCS Copper twos and buy some carrots, and I'm also running my own stand, and I can take those twos for my beets. Well, this is such an easy, small economy at that point, so we can get that kind of bottom-up growth mm-hmm. behind what you're trying to do. So what I'll throw out to anybody out there right now, if you run a swap meet or have access to somebody that does, and uh, I won't say exactly what, but if you want to do like a seeding thing where you want to put 500 or 1,000 coins into circulation in your swap meet, Get a hold of us directly. It will make you a hell of a deal to do that, and we'll give you some guidance with it. Because uh, I think if we can test bed that, we can really give people kind of a this is this is a vision of what it can be. Um, because with those small item purchases, it, it, again, it, unless you're unless you're selling something that sells for around fifty U.S. dollars, it doesn't make sense to be uh, you know trying to trade fractional silver uh, for the cost of production. Right. So yeah, it's, it, it definitely gets expensive with silver. Um, you know, one of the things that that the that happens with the assumptions is that as the price of silver goes up, so does you know people's salaries and paychecks and you know people's general wealth, and so the the silver doesn't necessarily become less affordable because everyone's making more money. But we're seeing right now that that's very much not true. You know, the unemployment rates rising, people you know aren't experiencing some sort of uh, windfall of of money coming their way for the most part. You know, certainly some are. But uh, you know, silver is getting expensive, and uh, so is copper. I mean, if you're anybody that's in the industry that uses copper as a raw material, you're hurting right now. And mm-hmm. uh, so, copper, copper may be. I've heard copper referred to as the next silver. I w- wouldn't necessarily go that far yet, but it certainly is an easy and affordable way to get involved in the fun idea of getting out and bartering with uh, fellow man. Well, I'll tell you what, Rob. It's not as far off as I think some people would think. I remember back in the '80s. The silver trading uh, in, in the six to eight dollar an ounce ratio now it's up to thirty bucks. So what's that four times? Um, I remember at the same time as a kid trying to buy my first car, uh, going to all these places with broke down mining shacks, and I wasn't stealing. Now this stuff been abandoned for seventy five years, and nobody wanted to go through the hassle because of what copper was selling for at the time, and pulling out copper wire out of old generators and stuff like that, and selling it for sixty cents a pound. Right. And, and what's it trading at today? It's it's almost four bucks pound. Four now. bucks. I mean, the, the the ratio of increase in value isn't really that far off of silver or gold in the same time frame. Now we're looking well, over a long time there, but probably because copper is is used so heavily as an industrial metal. I mean, um, you know, if there is an, a need or demand for it in industry, I think that that will will affect the value much more uh, heavily than maybe silver is affected because it's not used as as much industrial, and gold is even uh, less used industrially. So. You know, who knows where to put your money at this point? I, I wouldn't look at uh, copper as the best store of value at the moment, though it, it may be the one that increases in value the most over time as the dollar continues to fall apart and resources become more scarce. But like I said, it's it's a great place to go to get fun, get involved in something that's fun 
at a lower price point to get your hands on or more quantity of the units that you can pass out and exchange with uh, with other people that are in your circle. Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, I want to be the first one to say here: if you if you're wanting to invest in copper as a pure money play, um, our, our copper rounds are not the way to do that. These these serve a function. They're an affinity piece. They're an evangelical piece. They are a trade unit within a network. If you want to control ten thousand pounds of copper, trust me, Rob and I'll sell it to you if you really want to buy it. <laughs> but you're you're looking in the world world of like buying an ETF or a copper mining fund or something with right. that level of a play. This is again about creating honest trade between equals instead of trade at the point of a gun from the government requiring taxation and all the other things that go with that. Right. Um, so, so that's the way to see this. And I also want folks to understand that, you know, the, the purpose of these coins is, is to really evangelize, evangelize three things. One is the survival podcast. That's why the front of it is, is our logo with the moral compass uh, and knowledge and strength and, 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 and things like that. Uh, the AOCS brand prominent on the bottom. Rob's like, do you want to do it exactly the way we do it on the other coins? When we, I said, absolutely. And then to evangelize just monetary education. And if anybody that receives any one of these coins chooses just one third of that, any one of those three, I don't care what it is, I feel like we're accomplishing something. If I can educate an American uh, about money today, uh, and not just Americans, there's people all over the world that listen to this show and. I, I don't know how much of uh, our AOCS copy you're going to spend in Istanbul right now, but if you want it, you can have it. Um, but if I can educate anybody about money, we've accomplished something. If I can educate anybody about uh, a barter economy like AOCS and the marketplace and help that grow, we've accomplished something. And if we can educate people about preparedness and the survival podcast, we've accomplished something. So I, I tried to do something with our coins that I don't think anybody else that's, that's worked with, with Rob has yet which is to kind of put a, a, a trifecta into that, to try to put an educational mm -hmm. program together that would help everybody involved. Well, most of them are made because they have a clever idea, or most of them are made because there is an opportunity for profit, but you've just done an excellent job of, of seeing all these things and being able to put them together in a format that uh, you know really just continues to trade value for value, education, um, you know, an advertisement and something that uh, I'm sure is generating a small profit for the Survival Podcast as well to keep you doing uh, what you're doing and getting the word out about uh, what people need to do, whether things get uh, get bad or not. Absolutely. Um, if somebody wants to become part of your network, they're a, a vendor, they have a business. How do they do that? How do they say, mm -hmm. I'll take your currency? Right around January 1st, we'll finalize and launch AOCSMarketplace.com. There are a lot of different ways to connect with us right now, but AOCSMarketplace.com will be the place that they can go to actually click on the sign up to accept, uh, you know, AOCS approved medallions, uh, put in their, their merchant name, their details, where they are, what kind of exchange rate they want to set and, uh, you know, become part of the marketplace. So keep an eye out for that right around the 1st of the new year. Um, in the meantime, opencurrency.com. You can click on our marketplace link there and get a hold of our marketplace director, Mr. Chris Beavers, who is also in the DFW Metroplex, and he can uh, give you the insight on what to do to start uh, promoting your business to people that want to trade some silver, copper, and, and gold with you as well. And that network is already fairly large. How many vendors are, are part of the network as of today? Well, we've probably got about 2,000 of our own organic merchants. Those are people that we've developed on our own that exclusively accept AOCS medallions. In addition to that, we've probably got about 28,000 uh, affiliates from other across the country that can trade our medallions for their localized currency, whether it's an Ithaca Hours or an Itex or you know any of the other barter groups that are out there. Um, that number is now close. It's very close to thirty thousand now. If you can dream it, and it's it's something that's you know humanly possible, there's a pretty good chance that we can find somebody that's willing to trade uh, ASCS currency for it. So, Rob, I mean, I think that we really need to do a lot to kind of educate people that this is even an option. I think right now, if you went out and uh, just went to your local, you know, private business owner, whether he's a lawn care specialist or, or a guy that changes oil in cars or whatever, and said, hey, do you take AOCS copper and silver? He'd probably first say, what is AOCS? So if we can, you know, we got to let these people even know that it's an option so that they can become part of the marketplace. 
Yeah, when I when I first started doing this years ago, I mean, foolishly enough, that's what I did. I went out there and said, "Hey, would you guys like to accept, uh, you know, silver and and stuff as payment?" And they, of course, you know, they their mind was like you know, jewelry, or you know, are you talking like old coins or something, or what? Do, what do you even mean? Uh, so we've refined that pitch quite a bit. So if you're, you know, somewhere in your neck of the woods and you're interested in starting or growing your own barter economy, instead of going out there and asking them to accept, you know, TSP copper rounds or AOCS silver rounds, go out there and just start asking the question, do you guys ever barter? Do you guys ever trade at all? Um, is there anything that, that you would want to trade, uh, for in exchange for, you know, your goods or your services, whatever it may be? Just start to establish a list of people that have a likelihood of accepting payment in something other than the Federal Reserve note. If they're open-minded enough to say, sure, I'll, I'll barter. What do, you, what do you have in mind? Say, well, I'm part of this barter group, then we're all over the country, and we use some of these old-fashioned style medallions to trade. Um, there are a lot of different pitches out there, but scaring people away by, by throwing a name out there that they may not understand at uh, this moment in time is, is certainly uh, one of the more challenging ways to get started. I think it's going to be a big help, too, in January when you guys get this marketplace established because, again, it, it, currency has value because people have confidence in it and people agree that it has value. So when I go and I look and I and I make a list of things that I would need to buy in the next six months and I can find 20% or 30% of that list mm -hmm. in that marketplace, well, all of a sudden that currency now has value to me. Now, so now I'm willing to take it, at least okay. on some level, for what I'm doing because, again, like I used to buy the meat from you. If I can buy grass-fed beef, I don't care if you're taking beads or coriander seeds or copper or silver. Uh, the minute you'll take it, I'll take it because mm -hmm. I can get what I want for, from you in exchange for it. Um, what would you tell a person that maybe is uh, is, is if we do if we do happen to have that person on um, about that has a uh, that ha that runs a swap meet or something like that runs a big flea market or a farmers market? Um, how would you suggest maybe they talk to the the people that are their customers that rent that table or rent that booth about about doing this? Well, certainly if I'm talking to the manager promoter of a particular event, uh, my job is to appeal to their self interest. Um, so I would I would. Think of some sort of way of saying something like, "Hey, what if we developed a, you know, keepsake or a, a piece of memorabilia that, uh, you know, has your name or logo or mark or brand on it? That, um, you know, we could start to encourage these merchants that are out there trading or setting up tables or or exhibiting at your event. Um, you could encourage them to accept part payment in that, and then they could turn around and use a couple of those medallions to pay for the table that they're renting at that space. So, um, The, the real challenge is trying to find a way to make it practical, make it work. It's one thing to have a cool business card um, or, you know, a cool token. It's another thing to actually find a way to make it practical, profitable, and, you know, something that can actually be used in day-to-day -day trades and exchanges. So digging in a little bit to how the, the format is set up and encouraging them to accept partial payment from new vendors, maybe even sending them new vendors that would exhibit if they accept a payment in that currency um, that would really start to spur the trading of the currency inside of that little marketplace. So I would uh, spend a moment and just try to figure out what appeals to a person like that and uh, get creative on how we can encourage the merchants to accept it or trade it um, by also giving them the ability to pay for part of you know the, the fee to be there with that same that very same currency. Absolutely. I think it's great. And um I also kind of wanted to point out to people that if you if you have a business and you are willing to do this and you'd like that kind of affinity thing, we're not trying to monopolize this here with Survival Podcast. Get in touch with Rob, and, and you know, as long as I guess it's got some tastefulness and some tact, they'll put you know your image, your you know whatever it is that your vision is on a coin and do it with you, that with you in silver or gold or copper. It's not hard to do. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a cost involved, but but Rob's been one of the best people I've ever worked with. So if you have that kind of vision for your business, yeah, get in touch with him. Um, I also say if you want people to take uh, the currency, then then you need to take the currency. I mean that's mm -hmm. that's how it works. So like with our member support brigade, I probably don't say it enough, but if you want to buy a year of member support brigade from me, you can do that online with PayPal. You can do it by sending me a check or a money order for fifty bucks. You can do it by sending me two ounces of anybody's silver, or you can send me one ounce of Rob's silver. I take it at full face value, value 50, and if you want to buy 10 years and you send me 10 of them, it's 10 years. I mean, there's no limit to it. So we want you to use the currency, so then I turn around and I'll, and I'll, I'll take the currency, and I use Rob's exchange ratio with 
you know, um, U.S. Uh, pre-64 coins, uh, any any pure form of silver, silver eagles, and, uh, of course, the AOCS RAM, which is what I prefer because I can spend it in the barter network myself. So make sure if you have the opportunity to take these currencies, you try to figure out where it makes sense. And you can't do Some people can't do it with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it really makes a lot of sense to things that you either have lots of margin built into or that they, you don't have a, a high cost. So, like, the, the guy that sells the beef through your store, he says, hey, it's a cow. You know, it eats grass. It, it's, so I don't have a lot of tax consequences back and forth with there. I can stick within the network. Or right. if you're a mechanic, the labor portion of your work obviously is easier to barter than a part you have to buy from, you know, That's Firestone or, or what have you. And there's flexibility there. Don't feel like you have to take it for everything, right? There is, and the only requirement that we set, and, and again, this is a voluntary system, so when we say the requirement, we say, well, we'll list you if you want to do it, but the only requirement that we set is that the merchant is clear about their terms for acceptance, sure. and they follow their own policy that they set. So if you say, if you're a mechanic and you say, I'll uh, sell you the parts in cash, and you can trade me uh, silver for my time, then perfect, beautiful, we've got a... a easy to understand process for you know doing business with this particular person if you go into that mechanic and the mechanic says yeah my time is three thousand dollars an hour in silver at face value (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. we we frown upon that and we say okay well why don't you put your hourly rate on you know the website in your merchant listing to be a little bit more clear mr merchant um but whatever the policy is the merchant sets it and all we ask is that the merchant follows through so if we're listing and promoting you and a customer contacts you then they know what to expect, and uh, we save all of ourselves the time and the hassle of uh, you know the, the difference of opinion on how things are supposed to work. So that's it. That's how a voluntary system works. We we give you some guidelines, and we we offer you a benefit if you're inclined to follow them. The benefit for the merchant is that we will promote you. We will go out of our way to bring you new customers that you've never seen before. They're gonna they're gonna want to trade silver. You're gonna want to accept silver, copper, gold. And at the same time, once you start to acquire some of that, our promise on the back end is that we'll work with you if you acquire that to find a way to spend it to make it valuable for you as well. So it comes in bringing you customers and then helping you spend your currency on things that you want uh, to run your business. So I think that's, that's a big one that we need to make sure people get right there. If I take your currency and I end up with a bunch of it, you're not guaranteeing me a, you know exchange for dollars or anything. But if I come to you and say, Rob, what I need is I'm making mead for a small market, and I need blueberries. You're going to try That's to right. find me a sort, and you, you've actually done that with people before. Blueberries is one of the things you did you did that with, where That's exactly you're right. going to find somebody. You know, you might not, but you're going to do what you can to find someone that can give me what I'm looking for in exchange for my currency, and that's a yeah. huge service. And and we have a network of what we call community trade co- coordinators that do that across the country, and they work out their own deals with the merchants. And we have merchants that come to us and say, Rob, I love silver so much at face value, no problem. I love it so much that I'll give you a 10% kickback off the top. When you bring me new customers, I'll pay you in silver, but I'll give you a commission for all the silver customers you send me. I mean, we've got side deal after side deal worked out with merchants all across the country because it is valuable. And that's why, you know, if you acquire currency and you call us and you say, well, I'm looking for a roofer, we've got incentive to go out there and work for you just to find that that need or to fill that need. So um, we've built into the voluntary system levels of incentive for anyone and everyone that wants to get involved. And it's a neat thing, and we're excited as we, you know, break into our, you know, our almost our fourth year now of uh, of profitable success. And we invite anyone that wants to be a part of it to jump on board, take it. You know, all we all we need for you to do is to see the opportunity, and and know that there's something there to do, and we'll show you the tools and show you the the ropes on how to implement and be successful with it. And what if somebody wants to like learn more about what you're doing right now? I know the marketplace is coming in January, but what are you? What are the websites they can check out right now to learn more about AOCS? OpenCurrency.com is really the place to start. It'll point you in the right direction for all of our news and updates, our Facebook page, uh, videos that we have on our YouTube channel, uh, a link for AOCS Marketplace. So everything starts right there. You can see a directory of all the currencies that we've produced. Uh, it's probably about 20 currencies behind schedule right now because you know it just takes time to get updates. Um, trade coordinators that we have across the country, approved dealers that we have, emails that you can uh, jump on board. You can learn more about you know why we exist, what we do. So OpenCurrency.com is really the place to go to get started and uh, can point you in a lot of di- different directions from there. 
And I'll tell you what, I want people to get in touch with you. I want people to follow what you're doing. Uh, I want people on board with this. So I'm going to do something today to give people an incentive to connect with you guys on Facebook. Um, tomorrow morning, so I'm going to give a full day for this to happen, I'm going to go to the Open Currency Facebook page. And anybody that's liked Rob's page and made a comment, said, heard about you on TSP or anything like that, I'm going to go through there as long as it takes me and get a big list of names. I'm going to give away four of my MSBs uh, at random to that group of people. And when the coins come in, I'll take one winner and I will send you a roll of 25 copper coins on me uh, to incentivize you guys to go connect with Rob so that you know what's going on with AOCS and you can be part of this movement. I brought back Rob on now for the third time to talk about this. Uh, I haven't had a lot of guests have been on the show three times. I think Dave Canterbury is the only other guy that's ever been on the show as a guest three times. Uh, maybe him and Ron Hood. When I bring people back, it's because I believe in what they're doing. So I believe in what Rob's doing with AOCS. I want as much momentum behind this thing as I can. That's why I brought my own coin out. If those of you who are going to ask me why am I doing silver, I can't afford to do it right now with quantity of scale. That's why. I can't do it. I, so... We're doing copper. And I actually think that on a lot of levels for, for sharing with people and for exchanging, it's a better tool uh, because, again, you can get 25 of them, uh, 50 of them for 50 bucks. Yeah. And uh, so we'll, we'll run that, that program. So, uh, Rob, keep an eye on your Facebook page. I think you'll see a bump in it. Jack, I really appreciate that. That that goes a long way with me. And and I don't know if I've told you enough times, but I really want to say thank you again for going through and doing the research. You know, pulling this thing apart. Uh, you know, helping hold me and the AOCS to a higher standard. You know, we anytime I see a post on your your page, I always see positive comments, and there's always a couple negative comments or questions that are on there. And you know, you you don't just you know, glaze over them. You, you go through, you dig in, you find not not just the easiest answer, but the right answer. And it, it challenges us to do the same thing, to make sure that we're continually uh, going through and and evolving our process to make sure that it is in you know in our minds, based on our philosophy and our code, exactly what it's supposed to be. So I want to thank you just for for not uh, for believing in us, but but for more than just uh, you like me and or you like the design of one of the medallions. You, you picked it apart. You, you took a technical look at it, and you put it all back together, and uh, I appreciate that. Well, I won't lie to you. I tried to break it, and I couldn't. <laughs> and, I mean, that, that's what I do, and that's when I can give my endorsement to something, when I try to break it, and I can't break it. I'll also say this. I mean, there are some people that but we'll just spot price this and spot price that. I guarantee you right now, if you can get Rob um, proof quality, copper slugs, ready to be printed into proof quality coins for spot price, he'll buy all of them you can get him. <laughs> Right? And, and I'll buy them, too, and, and we'll keep buying them. Uh, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't work because there's a cost associated with putting something into a form. In other words, when you go out and buy an aluminum roofing nail, you don't pay the aluminum spot price for the nail. You pay the nail price for the nail. Right. Coins are the same way. It costs money to make coins. So that's why there is kind of a premium there. But I think that you'll see that the exchange ratio is there, and there's a tremendous opportunity here to spread the word about honest money, to spread the word about the Survival Podcast, and uh, to spread the word about AOCS. So uh, that, that's what I hope you take away from today's show. Uh, Rob, any last words you got for folks there before we wrap up today? That's really it. Just thanks again, Jack. You've been great to us, and uh, we'll continue to be uh, to be the best that we can be as we go, go out here into the marketplace and continue to grow, spread the message of uh, what all of us are doing. I mean, so many of these things are intertwined. People need to know about all of them. Whatever segue they use to get from one to the other, um, I think it's all great. So thanks again. No problem. And guys, you know, as I, as I finish up now, I want you to think about this. That we have people in our forums, our blogs, our Facebook page every day posting articles about the Fed screwed this up, the government spent too much money, this is wrong with all these are the things that are wrong. Well, it's, it's easy to point to what's wrong, and I do it all the time, sometimes because it's, it's really wrong, and sometimes because it's entertaining, but. There's a difference between just being able to look at what's, what's wrong and come up with a solution. To me, competing currencies like AOCS are a solution. They're not the only solution. They're not the complete solution. But if we can get on board with them and make it, you know, even 5% of what we consume in our lives, um, we start to take that 5% back. And we get to deal with other people as equals instead of having everything that we're doing be redistributed. And I hate to put it this way, but it is done at the point of a gun. And if you don't believe that, don't pay the gov, don't pay Caesar his tribute and do it long enough. And sooner or later, they'll show up and they will make you pay or put you away. And they will do that at the point of a gun. 
And, and this is an opportunity for you to do things legally, above board, but outside of that system. That's what we've always been about here at the Survival Podcast. What portion of your life can you take back and take control of? 5% is better than zero. And, and I say look for 50 overall. But with AOCS, look for what you can do, where it makes sense, and use this new tool to spread the message. And with that, this has been Jack Spearco today along with Rob Gray, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough. Or even if they don't. Food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better Show you.